Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach, a communications coach, and a mental fitness coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, the Sage Sayers unpacks communications, tips, and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found the gift, the opportunity, and even some knowledge in life's inevitable challenges. Episode 3. My guest today is Rebecca, and that's all I'm going to say because she can introduce herself from there. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. Thank you for having me. So I am Rebecca Perot, and today we're going to talk about the fact that I have worked in global supply chain for large multinational companies for between probably 12 to 15 years, but I recently decided to make a very big change in my life regarding that. So beautiful. And even when you say the word change, there was a nice emphasis landing there. And I know from my coaching and from my own life where I've reinvented and changed a lot, that change is a big thing. And many that I coach want to change both in their lives and in their careers, but they don't know how to start. And Rebecca, you've done that really bravely just recently, what, two Mm -hmm. weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, Two to three weeks ago, yeah. Tell us what you've done. So two to three weeks ago, I decided to go in and inform my large employer, which I have had a very good career with, that I will be ending my time there, but not to go to another role or another company or to do anything like that, but that I am actually ending my career full stop in order to take time off and in order to build a better personal life for myself and to start figuring out what comes next for me. So the shock was that I was leaving, but then also that I'm leaving corporate America entirely. I'm also moving to Morocco in about two weeks. I'm getting married (laughs) as well in a few months. And I am going to take a minimum of a six month break and not do anything at all. Mm -hmm. in order to figure out what I really want to do next. But whatever that next is, it needs to be something fundamentally different than what I've been doing. So that's the big change that I just did. And for context, dear listeners, we've just left a lunch, a lovely lunch here in Milwaukee, celebrating my dear friend Rebecca's engagement and the beautiful changes that she's making in her life. And she is glowing and radiant in making them. And I wondered, Rebecca, I know through making a lot of change myself, changing careers, changing industries, uh, changing countries and continents, I know that it's a process. And I wondered, how did you know, first get some inkling that you may need to create change, starting with the career piece? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's not something that was a very fast progression. I think my first inkling was probably three to four years ago. To be honest, I think the very first inkling was in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a very interesting experience, as everyone did during the pandemic. But for me, I was actually stationed overseas in Manila at that time. Mm -hmm. I was completely alone, away from all family. And for those people who don't know, the Philippines had the longest and strictest shutdown requirements of any country in the entire world. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Like what? How strict? You had to cross, uh, you had to hand a pass to an armed guard to go across the street for groceries. What? Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, it was military enforced at some points. It ebbed and flowed. There were points where it was a little bit less restricted, but basically we were contained within our housing, however that looked for each person, for the majority of the pandemic. And even after I left Manila in December of 2020, it continued like that in the Philippines for like another year. So they had the most extensive and most restricted of any of the shutdowns. So China was more severe in the level of shutdown when they would enforce one, Mm. but then it would come back off. Wow. In the Philippines, it was once they shut down in March of 2020, Mm. they were in some level of shutdown permanently for like the next two years. So what was that like for you? Lonely? Lonely, terrifying. It was also an enormous amount of pressure. Mm. I'm in supply chain, as I mentioned. So trying to prop up an entire regional supply chain during that time was very, very intense. I'm not a stranger to hard work or to long work hours or intense times in supply chain. That wasn't it. What it started to become an inkling for me was I realized I didn't have the capacity to know how to stop it from being so having such an effect on me physically hmm. it's being all of emotionally that. yeah the, the isolation environment, the, the work right yeah doing the I work and pulled that into like the work of it in a way that didn't feel healthy and I didn't know actually what the answer was mm. and I started to realize that there's something about a job like this mm. that triggers certain behaviors for me that ignore what I need as mm. a person, as a human, as a fundamental, just human being. And that was probably the first thing. And when I came back to the States, took a different role, recovered, I had an ulcer that I needed to recover from, from that experience as well. I thought, okay, that was an experience. I'll sort of refine my passion. Mm. That didn't really ever happen. It came back to about 80%, but never 100%. And the most fulfillment I got day to day was from developing and leading my team and seeing them develop into their careers. The mentoring piece. The mentoring piece. Which value would that tap into? That I was giving something of value to someone. Mm. That I was helping them find enjoyment. Kindness, fulfillment. Yeah. I was helping them understand their own worth for what they bring to the world. Because the environment in corporate America can very much be filled with just trying to stamp that out of you. Trying to stamp out the individuality. Trying to stamp out what you bring to Mm. the table and having Mm. value attached to that. So it made me really proud and it made me feel fulfilled Mm. to help them get to their next levels. Yeah. So that was the most fulfilling. And then you got retrained you extended your education yes and then I got offered an executive MBA program which was amazing and through that EMBA I was partnered alongside colleagues who are from various different levels of their career all over supply chain as an industry and so it gave me the opportunity to sort of look at myself from an outside perspective because it's not just about the company or the team you're working in or or any of that Mm. and that class elected me class president and it gave me it something clicked for me finally oh. about confidence in confidence in my own competence and what I actually bring so all those things that I liked showing other people what they brought mm. I had never done that for me and so for me to sort of rise to the top even among that group it made me realize okay no matter what's actually going on I will figure it out I will remain a leader because that's who I am So if I'm scared of what comes next, or if I'm scared about that, I don't know how to make this change that I know I can feel in me needs to happen. I need to just not worry about that and trust in my own abilities 
And that's what I did. Whoa. Yeah. So I'm hearing some words come up. Confidence. Yeah. Uh, Visibility. You didn't use these words, but it sounds like that click from the MBA program and then electing you class leader sparked confidence because of the that external visibility yeah and then fulfilling part of your values through mentoring others as you worked Mm -hmm. but there was still this feeling there was something else yeah there was always something else that I felt I needed to be somewhere else or have something else I couldn't put my finger on it and every time I would travel for example which I love to travel but every time I travel outside of the U.S. I would feel much more like myself Mm. And I would feel much more accepted to be myself. Mm. And I couldn't figure out why. I just accepted that that was the case. And so over time, I knew that my passion for my work was waning. I knew that I wanted to be outside of the U.S. And I knew that I wanted to do something fundamentally very different. And it took a long time to get to those conclusions. Well, and here we are. And you've made your conclusion. Mm -hmm. And you've resigned. Mm -hmm. And you're moving to Morocco. I'm moving to Morocco in two weeks. And I got invited to the wedding, which I'm so excited about. And I wondered what my clients no longer talk about golden handcuffs. They talk about this golden cage. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I know that you will find something better as your work. But how did you sort of navigate that feeling that I have to stay in this if I'm to earn what I'm earning? Because I'm already earning it now. So for the listeners, I'm sure they're saying, Thank you, Captain Obvious. But but my point is, for me, if I can come from what I came from, Mm. which was absolute abject poverty for Mm. anyone who's listening, Mm. complete and total poverty, Mm. and all of the associated dysfunction that one might imagine comes with that in an upbringing, school was my one ticket out. That's what I held on to, and that's what I clung to to get out. Mm -hmm. Long story short, if I can come from that, and make it to where I was Mm. at that level in a company and doing the work that I was doing on a global level. And you were senior. And I was senior. Mm -hmm. I can do it again. Yes, you can. And I can do it in any field that I want to, and I can do it in any country that I want to, and I can do it in any way that I wish to. Mm. So if I've done it once and I'm already earning, then why can't I just reapply it again? Again, and somewhere new. And somewhere new. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful, Rebecca. So your guidance to my listeners, those who are feeling restless and wanting to make the change, but feeling that fear would be see what you've already done. Mm -hmm. See that you've come this far. Mm -hmm. Know that you have all that you need within to prevail again. What about if you're on the hook for others? That's often like Mm. many clients worry about, well, I won't, I'm going to let down others. and when we coach, some is fictional, some is factual. But what about the and the little voice that can come up? Like, oh, if I do this, I'll disappoint someone or something. Yeah, I mean. Or those I work with by leaving. Mm-hmm. That was definitely something that came up for me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a human inclination. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of us are more predisposed to that than others. But for me, the voice that came after that voice was, yes, but you will be deciding actively to disappoint yourself if you don't. Mm-hmm. And there's literally no one in the world that will put you first if you don't. Yeah, it's beautiful language. So it's true. I have to do this for me. Mm-hmm. They will get over their disappointment. I'm an employee, mm-hmm. one of thousands, right? Mm-hmm. The, it was harder when I thought about my team. Mm-hmm. But then I also realized that, you know what? They're adults. They have their own career journey. It's been an honor for me to have had even five minutes of that journey to give them anything that I gave them. Mm. 
but they don't need me mm-hmm. in that way and mm-hmm. they never will. And that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they may be sad to see me go. And that's just a recognition of what I might have brought them, right? Yeah. But they're fully capable people of taking their journey in their own hands from here. Yes, I am. And I think your gift is you've inspired others Mm. to be bold also. Can I ask something about your history? Just as a professional from our friendship, I've learned that you studied, of all things, medieval history. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. I wonder what role of tell us about that because I think that was our first idea for a podcast, remember? Yeah, it was. Well, because that was, to me, that sparked curiosity in me as someone who coaches as a communications coach and coaches people through change and reinvention. You already have kind of reinvented by oh, yeah. studying medieval history and getting into I have. statistics and supply I, chain. So tell yeah. us how you did that and then how seeing yourself having done that, whether it served you in this most recent change. Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a master's degree in history with a focus on medieval European history. I knew at the time that I was doing it, that it was a passion degree. Yeah. And that I would have to sell my skills. Yeah. Because in order for me to really work in the field of history, the way that I wanted to. Yeah. I probably needed to have gone to like an Ivy League school, Mm. truthfully. Mm. And it's not something that was ever going to be in the cards for me. Mm. And that was okay for me. But I also didn't want to just, I wanted to not work in museums. That wasn't my thing unless it was maybe over in England, et cetera. So I figured, I knew that the likelihood of me being able to do that would be very, very slim. So I'd have to sell my skills elsewhere in the workforce. So I focused on my ability to research, my ability to put pieces together into a narrative, my ability to tell a story, my ability to see a bigger picture, look at different angles, different perspectives, right? That's what I sold as my skills in my first jobs in supply chain. And, and they did serve me well in supply chain, I those skills. I they did. And so it wasn't... I, I never thought of it from that angle, yeah. but of course. Yeah. So that actually really did help me quite a bit. I um, bet. And I did fall in love with supply chain out of love with supply chain, it's just time for something new. Mm. So yeah, so I've already reinvented. Yeah. Um, And I think you just have to be open to the fact that definitions and and boxes are there as guides for me. Yes, I love that. That's a nice pull quote. Can I ask a random question, putting you on the spot? And if you want to circle back later and say, I've thought about it and it's this, who in your studies of history do you remind yourself of the most at this moment? Eleanor of Aquitaine. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> Tell us, who is well, she? I am, who was she? Let me clarify. I would want to be most like Eleanor of Aquitaine. So Eleanor of Aquitaine is the wife of Henry II of England. Okay. But she was also married to the King of France first. Oh, and she, rebellious. Yes. And she convinced him to get an annulment and then ran off in the middle of the night to travel back to her own lands in Aquitaine, avoiding two different attempts, by the way, to try and subjugate her into forced marriage, which was a thing at the time. What year are we talking about? We're talking about the 12th century. Wow. Very, Um, very ambitious. Very radical. Yes. And then she proposed to Henry herself via letter. What? Who was younger than she was. And he basically was like, yep, that'll do. And he came on over and they got married. And then she went on to give birth to famous kings such as Richard the Lionheart, John, who was famous for being bad, but that's okay, and a few others, right? Additionally, later on in life, 
she decided her sons were right and her husband was wrong. And so she actually mounted a war against Henry II with her sons, was put in prison for like a decade by her husband, <laughs> outlived as, him. As you were back then. As you were. And then outlived him. And yeah, was considered a, a, a huge force in politics and an influence across France, Europe, and England for the rest of her life. The reason why I would like to be like her and the reason why I see some similarities is she understands the framework that she's working in, but never lets it hold her back from her end objective. Oh, And I nice. really relate to that. Tell me more. She's a woman with much more power than a lot of women would have had at that particular time, mm. but still limited in the context of what she's living in. But she finds ways to utilize what she does have to further her goals. It, oh. it doesn't box her in. She's not. She understands in. where the corners are, but then utilizes every bit of space around that to do what she needs to do. Fantastic. How empowering. What a beautiful memory for you as you figure out your next. Yeah. After you take your break. And Rebecca, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. And thank you for a really inspiring conversation today. Anything else you want to share to those who are a little bit on the fence? If I had to give a pulse read of my coaching base right now, there's a lot of on the fence feelings of whether I stay or go now. What say you? I would say, listen to yourself. Mm. When you're ready, you will know. You probably know that this is a decision you need to make at some point. Mm. But when you're really ready to make the decision, you will know. And when that comes, don't smother that voice. Mm. But also don't push it too fast if you're not ready. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You'll know. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was such a delight and happy travels to Casablanca. You've been listening to DG McCullough with The Sage Sayers, a podcast on business communications and mental fitness, finding the sage approach to life's challenges. If you'd like to coach and train with me on any communication or life challenge, visit my website, hangingrockcoaching.com or find me on LinkedIn with the hashtag bravecommunicators. Both links you'll find within the show notes. I want to thank my producer, Doton, for his elegant edits, making these episodes beautiful in ways far beyond my skills. You can find Doton on Fiverr under Titan32. And thank you to my coaches all over the globe who spark creative ideas for each episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye.